Hey Yash, thank you so much for coming on podcast Unconventional. I'm super excited to know about your journey. So my first question to you is, what's your story and how did you get to where you are today? Well, my story started way back in 2018, actually not that very long ago, when I was just 16 years old. So we had this 22 days break between the ending of my class 11th and the beginning of my class 12th. And I was still figuring out what kind of creative endeavor should I try to pursue next? How should I utilize the time that I have in hand before I move on to the most important academic year of my life, at least by that point of time? So that is when I came up with the concept and uh, I would say with the motivation of writing my first debut novel, A Celebration and Tribulation. That is where it all truly started. And actually by that time, I had authored a couple of research papers which were presented in two international conferences. And I was also way too much into literature. I was writing a lot of stories. I was creating a lot of poetry. I was even trying to perhaps create dramas and plays and stuff like that with whatever resources I had in hand. And keeping in mind that I was still 16 years old. So I wouldn't say that I was very much experienced, but at least I was passionate enough to continue with whatever creative endeavor I wanted to pursue ahead. And I started researching online about topics and ailments and, you know, perhaps themes that a lot of people do not even know about properly. Things that need to be talked about a little bit more than how they are right now, but they are not. So that is when I came across the unheard and unspoken Grootsfeld Jacob disease, which is apparently a neurological degenerative ailment that also kills a lot of patients every year. Yet, by that point of, point of time, it had never ever been focused as the central theme or the central topic of any kind of fictional novel. So that particular point is what intrigued me and perhaps inspired me the most to start writing an entire fictional debut novel based on the particular ailment which a lot of people were not aware about. The main motto which I did have in mind was to start a conversation, to start speaking about something which perhaps a lot of people out there do not know about as of yet. However, my words, my actions might contribute in starting a conversation about those topics. And, you know, uh, much sooner than I could have possibly expected, as soon as the novel came out in the market, there was just a tremendous amount of international as well as national appreciation from media outlets, from press, from people, from even celebrities, and a lot many other platforms about this particular novel. And not just because of the fact that it was, uh, you know, written by a boy named Yash Tiwari who was just 16 years old when he was writing it or because of the fact that it was completed in a record time of just 22 days. A lot of appreciation and I would say the major part of the appreciation that I received for this particular novel of mine, A Celebration and Tribulation, was mainly because of the story that it was depicting. It is not just about a medical, uh, you know, disease or perhaps a medical journal that a lot many people have already written. It is a proper fictional story that delivers a tale about how lives of people are who are in the impoverished and underprivileged conditions when they are met with something of this sort. An absolution of death that they cannot fight against. So I think major part of the appreciation, the global appreciation that my story received was also about this.
And that is when I understood the impact that I can create on the lives around me, on the people around me, just with the help of my words. So I started to pursue the field of public speaking, motivational speaking and youth mentorship in that year only. And as a matter of fact, before even an entire year was completed since the release of my debut novel, and in fact, in less than, I would say, 10 months, I was invited for my first TEDx talk. My debut TEDx talk was delivered at TEDx HPTU in Uttar Pradesh. And that is what truly kick-started my journey as a youth mentor, a young motivational speaker, a public speaker, and a public figure. So since then, I have been working tirelessly in the field of youth mentorship and public speaking. I very frequently deliver a lot of talks, sessions, workshops, and not just schools, but to students who are much younger than me, but even in colleges and meetings and seminars and workshops and events where I get to address hundred upon thousands of people who are even much older than me at times, who are sometimes even twice or thrice as old as I am right now. And currently I'm also working with a venture as a mentor, which is incubated by the IAM Bangalore and recognized and appreciated by the United Nations itself, where I get to mentor hundreds of people from all walks of life all around the world every month about how they can also create their own stories, how they can also pen down their ideas and thoughts in an impacting yet intriguing and interesting manner. Sometimes I'm mentoring students, sometimes I'm mentoring even chartered accountants, professionals. Uh, last month I even had a police inspector who was a part of this workshop and also professionals, academicians, uh, medical people and people from every walk of life that you can possibly imagine. So all in all I would say that my story so far at least has been about creating an impact with the help of my words and that is what I aim to do even in future. I would definitely like to take this story ahead, this motivation, this fire within my own self about creating an impact on the lives of the people around me with my words, with my actions, with my actions and ambitions. So what problems did you face when you started pursuing your passion for writing, for public speaking and going on international platforms and being a mentor for students and your friends? So how did you overcome it? Well, one of the major problems I would say that I have faced in my journey as an 18-year-old young motivational and public speaker and also an awarded author so far has been about the aspect of youthism or I should say reverse ageism in our society. Of course, there is no denying of the fact that I have received a lot of appreciation and I still do because of all the works that I am doing at such a young age. Whether it is about receiving a lot of awards for my debut novel at the age of 16 or about receiving a great deal of appreciation and acclaim as a public speaker and a youth mentor right now at the age of 18. But there is also no denying of the fact that there is yet another section of the society who still uh, perceives people youngsters, old people and everyone around them not just based on how talented they are but also based on various other criteria which should not be kept in mind when you are judging somebody's talent or capability or personality or whatever they are doing. 
I remember this particular anecdote uh, which I would like to cite for everyone over here, which I believe uh, took place uh, perhaps a couple of months ago when things were much better and we were physically congregating with one another. So I was invited for this talk, this session, I believe, just a couple of months ago, not in my city, but somewhere else. And I was very excited for it. I prepared very well. I was quite pumped up to address all the people that I was going to address. And when I reached the venue, I came to know that most of the people who are going to be addressed are going to be much older than me, even twice or thrice as old as I am. And that did not in any way make me anxious or perhaps nervous because by that time I had already been delivering a lot of sessions and talks which were primarily about people who were much older than me. So if anything, I was simply excited for the event that I was going to be a part of. However, when I went up on the stage, I was invited and my introduction was being delivered. I noticed some eyes being raised, to be very honest, and I wouldn't say that that was demotivating in any way because I, as a motivational speaker, am supposed to keep my own hopes and my own, uh, I would say, uh, the fervor and enthusiasm within my own self up all the time, no matter what the situation is. But of course, when you are getting up on the stage and you are going to address a bunch of people and you see that some of them are judging you based on how young you are or how inexperienced you might look based on the age that you are of right now. That was a little bit triggering for me, especially because I was just about to deliver an hour-long or so session to them. However, by the end of the session, there were nothing but applauds and cheers and claps and appreciation for what I spoke. And by the end of the session, as a matter of fact, all of them understood that they were not supposed to judge me based on how young I was. Perhaps I was much younger than how they were, but at least I was sharing a piece of experience, sharing a piece of guidance and mentorship and knowledge with them, which they might not have had by that point of time. So that is when I understood that if I have to break or if I have to shackle these obstructions of youthism and reverse ageism in our society, I have to shackle them with my own capability, with my own personality, my potential, my own inner self. If I want to prove that no matter how young I am, I am capable of doing what I want to do, then I have to do that with my capabilities. My capabilities should be the first line of defense against all sorts of forces of youthism or any other kind of prejudice that there is out in the world. So Yash, what do you want to be known for? Well, that is a very wonderful question, I must say, Anisha, because one should truly know what they want to be known for if they are working in something creative, especially, I would say. So according to me, that particular thing which I want to be known for forever is the fact that I want to be known for creating an impact. I want to be known for not just doing things, but doing things which are creating a true positive change in the world, which are shaking up the old societal norms, making the society much better than how it is, and truly creating a positive impact on the lives of the people around me with whatever I'm doing. Whether it is about writing a novel, or it is about narrating a story, or it is about delivering a talk, or it is about facilitating a session or a workshop or something of that sort. Whatever I do, it should 
create a positive impact on whoever is being a part of it. It should create a positive impact on whomever I am able to touch with my actions, with the work that I am doing, with whatever project I am taking up on my own self. So one thing that I always want to be known for, in a positive light of course, is the fact that I want to be known for creating an impact with whatever I do, whatever endeavors I take up. So I hope that answers your question. So who are your current and past mentors and what impact do they have on your life? For me, the greatest of inspirations and motivational figures which I have had in my life and still have are both of my grandfathers, my Nanaji and my Dadaji. My Dadaji was in the army. He served as a major. He served uh, as a great renowned educationist as well. He was a professor. He was in fact an author of a lot many academic journals and books in his time. My Nanaji on the other hand right now is a renowned author uh, and he is writing and has written a lot many books and plays and poetry and stuff like that in Hindi particularly. And both of them have inspired me about one particular thing, which is passion. Of course, both of them have had different kind of passions in their life, but collectively, they have inspired me a lot. My Dadaji was always very passionate about being disciplined. Discipline was one thing which spoke deals about him, because that is what his own foundation of whatever he was doing was always built upon. His passion of discipline is what made him who he was till his last breath. So that is definitely something which truly inspires me to be disciplined in my own life, in whatever I am doing and wherever I am. My Nanaji, on the other hand, has always been passionate about creativity, about, just like me, creating an impact on the lives of people around him with the help of his words, with the help of the stories that he creates or narratives that he builds up. And that is another great thing which I take a lot of inspiration about from him, that we need to be passionate about not just being rigid in our life, being disciplined in our life about the exact things that we want to do or we are supposed to do, but at the same time, we should also acknowledge our creativity. We should also acknowledge our depths. We should look within our own selves and try to find out those latent capacities, those latent creativities within our own selves to rediscover ourselves, to unlock ourselves. So these two persons in my life, my Nanaji and my Dadaji, and their respective passions of being creative and being extremely disciplined is what I take a lot of inspiration from. And these two are my true mentors. So what's the career highlight you're most proud of? Talking about the highlights of my career thus far, uh, well, firstly, I would say that my the release of my debut novel, A Celebration Tribulation, truly does top the list for sure. Because that is where, as I also spoke in the beginning of this podcast interview, that is where my journey in whatever field I'm working in right now, whether it is about literature or public speaking or youth mentorship, that is where it all started. My book is what truly started my journey as a young professional worker that I am right now. So definitely the release of my debut novel, A Celebration and Tribulation, will for sure be one of the greatest highlights in my life forever. Secondly, another great highlight which I have had in my professional life 
even at this young age so far, would for sure be my first TEDx talk, my debut TEDx talk, which was delivered at TEDx HPTU in Uttar Pradesh. Because as I once again said in the beginning, that particular event, that particular new beginning in my life is what kick-started my journey as a public speaker, as a motivational speaker. So, for sure, I would like to mention that particular event of my first TEDx talk as a great highlight in my professional life thus far. However, there is yet another great highlight which I would like to mention over here, which is my first Josh talk, which I delivered last year only in the month of December. And it was delivered right after I was through with delivering my fourth TEDx talk in the same year. Uh, and uh, this Jewish talk was not just about uh, an idea which I wanted to present through a platform. It was more about my own journey, my own life, what all I have gone through and what all I am working on right now and how can one person who might be demotivated in their life can also come out of that shell that shell of sadness, that shell of gloom in their life and come out as someone bright. So delivering that Josh talk truly gave me a perspective about my own life, a newer one I would say, just like it gave a new perspective to thousands upon thousands of people around me and all around the world I would say. So definitely these three things, the release of my debut novel, my first TEDx talk and my first Josh talk will for sure be some of the greatest highlights in my professional life thus far at the age of 18. So Yash, tell me, how would your 10 year old self react to what you're doing right now? That is such a sweet question I would say. That what would my 10 year old self think of what I am doing right now or how I am right now? Well, definitely I believe that my 10 year old self will for sure be very happy, I hope so, that 10 year old Yash Tiwari sitting on his desk drawing something or perhaps writing a story for his teacher will be very happy about what he is doing right now in 2020 because as I mean for as far as I can possibly remember even at that young age not just at that age even at the age of seven or eight I believe I was writing a lot many stories I was writing a lot many poetry pieces uh, you know, contributing my best self in the field of literature and stuff like that. And I was passionate about speaking also, passionate about interacting with others, passionate about uh, starting conversations in whatever way I possibly could, always curious about how things happen, why things happen in the way they do. And that curiosity over the, a long period of time is what I believe has built up this, uh, you know, passion in my own self to look for new narratives to hunt for new stories and hunt for new aspects of this world that we are a part of. So definitely from what I think, uh, I cannot ask certain, but from what I think, my 10 year old self will for sure be very happy about the kind of boy that I have become and also the journey that I am on right now, the things that I aim for to achieve in future. So yeah, I believe that answers your question. So how do you measure whether you are successful? Well, for me, the true measure of anybody's success can, of course, not be statistical. It has to be psychological. It has to be based on things that we feel and not just the things that we can mathematically or statistically see out there in the world. 
the measure of anybody's success, whether I talk about my own life or I talk about anybody else's life, lies in the change that they are able to create. Supposedly, let's say that if I am delivering a session to 100 upon thousands of people this month, are there some people who are truly being impacted by it or not? Am I even able to motivate a lot of people with whatever I'm saying? If I am, then yes, that is the true measure of my success. If I'm not, then of course, that shouldn't demotivate me, but it should give me a lesson that I need to work better on my own self. That I need to improve the way that I do things. So the true measure of anybody's success, whether I talk about my own life or I talk about the lives of the people around me, should lie in the same point which I discussed earlier, that are they able to or am I able to create a change, create a positive impact or not. And I always strive for the kind of success where I am able to create that change, where I am able to create that impact, where I am able to create a positivity in the world with whatever I'm doing. So for me, that is the true measure of success in my life. Of all the social media pages we have looked at, What's the best one and why? So my favorite social media handle, a social media platform which I connect with a lot, will definitely be IV. It is an Instagram page uh, which is created by Jamila Jamil. And of course, all of us love her so much from the good place, Tahani, of course. But even as a real person that she is in the world that we are a part of, she is working as a great social activist and through this initiative this social media page called ivy that she has created the message which is being delivered out there in the world to millions of people no less is that nobody should be judged or weighed based on how they physically look based on what their uh, we can say metric weight is or how much calories they are carrying or how they are physically perceived Everybody out here in the world should be weighed based on what they are doing, who they are, their personality, their capability, the goodness that they have within their own selves, and the kind of person they strive to become in future. Nobody should be able to judge you based on how much, let's say, fat you have, or perhaps how tall you are, or how short you are, or how you physically appear to be. You should be judged. You should be perceived, you should be looked upon only and only based on who you are as a person, what you are doing as a person, what you want to be in future as a person. That should be the criteria of judging a person or weighing a person and not how they physically appear to be. So this wonderful initiative spreading body positivity messages is what I truly connect with a lot. And yes, I wish all the very best to the creators of this initiative and all the people associated with it right now who are trying their level best to spread the message of body positivity and positivity in general. So what advice would you give to the young generation who want to start something unconventional or create unconventional just like you? Hmm. So the advice which I would like to give perhaps to the youngsters out there or many other aspiring youngsters like me out there would definitely to not consider your age as an obstruction, ever. Your age can never be an obstruction. Where you are coming from can never be an obstruction. 
who you are right now can never be an obstruction in what you want to achieve or whom you want to become in future. The only obstruction that there possibly can be is acknowledging these outdated social norms and social ideologies that kind of shackle and crumble the youngsters of today, thinking that they are, will not be able to achieve what they want to achieve just because people out there do not believe, just because people out there do not want to believe, I should say. So one thing which all of us need to remember, not just as youngsters, I would say, but people from all walks of life in every age group, whatever you want to do, whatever initiative you want to take, whatever ideas you have in mind, the only obstruction there are, are the ones that are there in your own mind. No social norm about how young you are or how old you are or where you are coming from and how is it not possible because of the social structure of the world will only be able to affect you if you let it affect yourself. So one piece of advice which I would definitely like to give to the youth out there who are very much aspiring to be the upholders and the change makers of the world of tomorrow is to not give in to social prejudice like that of youthism, ageism, or anything like that. Just keep up your good work. Just believe in the potential and the capability that you have. And even if you do not have, try to work on that potential. Try to build up the capability to be the change makers of this world. And that is what your focus should be on. Not the outdated societal norms, not the outdated social structures, but your own self, your own modernized and your own advanced thinking ideologies. That is what I would like to advise to all the aspiring youngsters out there. Thank you, Yash. That's a really wonderful advice that you have given. So, Yash, if you are given the opportunity to go back to any time in history, where would you like to go? Wow, that is very interesting question, I must say. So, to be very honest, I don't want to sound like a child over here, but if given the opportunity to time travel, which is what I presume you are talking about when you go when you talk about going back in the history, then I'm really sorry, but I would not want to go in any time in the history because we already know how things turned out, right? What I would like to use this time machine that this hypothetical time machine that we are talking about right now will be for going in future perhaps and not I mean not like going into 40 or 50 years from future to see how grey my hair are or perhaps how I look in that old age but instead going into the future I believe like 3,000 or 4,000 years from now on so that I'm able to see that whatever ideals of let's say sustainable development or growth or uh, you know whatever modernization social structures and technology and all the other aspects of the world that we are a part of right now that we have been envisioning that we have been working on did they work out in the long run or not did we grow into a better society, into a better civilization, or did we completely crumble apart? That is something which truly intrigues me. That is something which I truly think about a lot while I'm taking showers or I'm not able to sleep at night. But what future are we all collectively as a society walking towards? What is going to be the future that our world will live in? in let's say 3,000 or 4,000 or just a 1,000 years from now on even. 
So definitely this hypothetical time machine of yours, I would like to use for going into the future and not in the history. That's a really interesting thought process. So given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Okay, so one person whom I would definitely like to have, let's say, a dinner date <laughs> would definitely be Amelia Clark. <laughs> and I know, I know we look at her as the mother of dragons, Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, and even that is one reason which I want to more than anything have a dinner date with her. Uh, but that is not just all. Like, of course, I dig how she completely burns her enemies and stuff like that with the dragons that she rides in. You know, yeah, that is a childish response, I know. But at the end of the day, the main reason why I do want to perhaps have a dinner with her or even a brief conversation with her, which would for sure inspire me a lot, will be because she herself is such an inspirational person. Not just as the actor, the lead actor of perhaps the most reputed and the most acclaimed show in the history of media, but also because herself, whatever she is doing and whatever she has gone through, and still the kind of person that she has come out of, even while going through all of that, is something which truly inspires me a lot. So I'm not sure about the years, but while she was shooting the, let's say, the season one and season two of Game of Thrones only, she went through a series of brain aneurysms, a couple of them from what I have heard. And even in that, the news did not break out. She kept on working. And it was only after the production of all the seasons of Game of Thrones that she talked about her journey as the victim, as a survivor, I would say, of a brain injury. And how right now she is using her own journey to create inspiration, to motivate other brain injury victims and survivors out there to keep going on. Right now she has even started this charity of her own self called SameU.org through which she is trying her level best to help those brain injury victims out there who do not have any means of support. And perhaps even motivate those who are trying to come out of all the atrocities that such a devastating ailment can possibly bring. My own grandfather, my Dadaji actually, died from a brain aneurysm. Uh, and that is perhaps another reason because of which I relate with her journey so much. I can connect with her on a different level, the things that she has gone through. And all in all, even after becoming such a huge personality, such a much known, much acclaimed, much, uh, I would say, appreciated and so famous of a person after playing the most loved character of Daenerys Targaryen. I know what everybody is thinking, that this is like a two-year-old child speaking about Game of Thrones right now. But that is the kind of admiration I have for how wonderfully she was able to put this character up in the world, which was earlier only on the pages. And yes, even after becoming such an appreciated person, from what I see, she is still a very grounded person. She is still somebody who respects others, who is humble, who keeps her feet low, no matter how high she goes up in the sky. And that is one thing which I also keep as a motto in my own life. That no matter what I'm achieving, no matter how great of achievements I am able to make even at this young age, I have to be grounded. I have to be humble. I have to be respectful. I have to be very nice and grateful and always a good person. No matter what greatness I am 
trying to strive for in my life ahead, goodness is what I should have as a person. No matter how great of a speaker or great of a writer or great of an influencer I become, at the end of the day, I, in my own heart, should be a good person, a kind person. So yes, I hope that answers your question. So would you like to be famous in what way? Please share your thoughts. Well, for sure, I would definitely like to be famous. In fact, I strive to be famous, not just for the obvious reasons that the world think of, but also because of the fact that if I want to truly create an impact and if I want to truly create a positive change out there in the world, like I have been talking about, then for that, I need to be in a position of social prestige. I need to be in a position of social power. I need to be in a position of social fame where people know what I'm saying, where people know who I am and where they not just admire but acknowledge the kind of conversations I'm willing to start or the social changes that I am willing to make. So as I said earlier that I want to be known for and I want to be famous for truly creating a positive impact with the endeavors that I pick up and the works that I do. So yes, definitely. Being famous is something which I totally appreciate and is something which I always be very humbled about, yet very grateful for and always strive towards. So yeah, that will be my answer to your question. Wow. So if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? So one quality which I would like to build up in my own self or perhaps I want to have overnight, <laughs> you know, which is of course not possible, but something which I think of would definitely be of self-care. I mean, I cannot speak enough about this particular point that when I get invested into something I'm doing or perhaps a certain project or anything that I'm working on, whether it is even, uh, let's say, creating the script of a certain talk or writing a story or something like that, I delve so deep into it that I even stop taking care of my own self. Whether it is, let's say, about the meals that I am supposed to take or even waking up properly on time or getting to bed properly on time or anything like that. The basic fundamental self-care qualities which everybody should have and even I have. But at times when anything comes up which is, let's say, important or special or perhaps will be beneficial for me in the long run, I get so deep into it that I completely forget about the world around me or even about my own self on a physical level. So definitely, self-care is something which I should keep on my to-do list for every day. And yeah, it, it will be great to wake up tomorrow and think of caring about my own self also and not just about perhaps the world that I'm a part of or the projects that I'm working on. But at the end of the day, I believe that that kind of dedication is what truly drives me. That kind of passion and dedication and fervor towards whatever I'm doing is what keeps me alive with the kind of work that I'm doing. If I am too much passionate about, let's say, delivering a talk, then I even forget about taking care of my own self. And of course, in the long run, I will see the fruit of it. In the long run, I will see how positively and how greatly I am able to do it just because I was so invested into it. So there are always two sides of the same coin but yes on a less 
psychologically in-depth answer, I would say. Uh, definitely. Self-care will be one thing which I would like to build up overnight. You're such a wonderful person and you are doing so many projects. You are a speaker, you are a student and you are mentoring your friends and the other students who are aged between 12 to 18 years old. So how do you fuel your performance? So what fuels me the most or keeps me up is a question mark. A question mark in my mind regarding why I am doing what I am doing. Let's say that I am writing a story and there comes a time where I am feeling very less passionate about it or where I'm feeling bored and I'm, I'm, I'm facing a lot many ecological distractions as well as physical distractions. In that moment, the only fuel which will keep me alive is that question mark. Will it be right to give in to those distractions when I have such a huge reason because of which I was working on that story? Should I get up from my chair and start distracting my own self from the work obligation, even when I have a solid reason for continuing with the process of work that I was keeping myself busy with? That reason, the question for reason, is what acts as a fuel for me. As long as I have in my mind the answer to the question that why I am doing what I am doing, I have enough fuel to keep me up even through all the distractions. I have enough fuel to break all the distractions and just focus on the work that I am doing, that I need to focus on. So for sure, the fuel for me will definitely be that question mark about why I am doing what I am doing. That is what keeps me up. So Yash, I have a one interesting question for you. If your house containing everything you own catches fire, but you have saved your loved ones and pets, but you have time to make a final dash to save any one item from your home. So what would it be and why? So that is a very peculiar question, I must say. But anyway, if let's say my house is caught on fire and uh, I am able to secure my parents, my family, and I don't have any pets, but in the hypothetical situation, even my pets out of the house and uh, they are all rescued and I still have a moment to rush back into the house to pick something up, then it will definitely be my mobile phone. And I, I mean, I cannot possibly think of a scenario where I get out of the bed without picking up my mobile phone first even when there is no fire or whatever that is. But still, if there is a hypothetical fire and uh, one thing I still have to pick up when I rush back into my house for the one last time, then it will definitely be my mobile phone. Because I cannot tell you how much work I get done through this small technological device on my palm right now. Uh, all my editing, all my writing, a lot of my writing, I would say, uh, recording, and I don't know. There is such a long list of work that regularly I get done just through my mobile phone that there is perhaps no ending to it. <laughs> so for sure, if, if I do have to dash into my house once again and pick something up, it will for sure be my mobile phone. However, I can also assure you that I am not getting out of my house even for the beginning without my mobile phone anyway. <laughs> but still, I, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yes. So what are your thoughts on this quarantine and how are you coping up with it? The period of quarantine 
has been quite, uh, I would say, different from how I perhaps earlier thought of it to be. When the lockdown was announced back in March, I was very much anxious about it, just like a lot many other people around us. So a lot of events that I was invited to in a lot many states all around India and even some international events that were lining up slowly and gradually, all of them were postponed firstly, so that was quite uh, you know, sad for me to not be able to attend those events and deliver the talks which I was supposed to deliver at that time. However, slowly and gradually, as people started acclimatizing with the environment that we have built up so far in this period of quarantine, things became much more clearer and much more better than how I deemed them to be. Firstly, earlier, as I was thinking that, you know, a lot of work is being cancelled because of this period of quarantine, it was not. Like, I have been much more busy in this period of quarantine than I was even when there was no quarantine. So even from home, I like every day I'm delivering a lot many talks and sessions when I'm not doing that. I'm perhaps writing something or preparing the write-ups which I'm supposed to submit or taking the workshops or delivering the classes. And like seriously, it has been a very busy and hectic period and I am truly thriving in that. I'm the kind of person who loves when a lot of work is burdened upon my shoulders. So I am loving it in every possible way, from every possible angle. Uh, you know, being able to work a lot, much more than how I was doing earlier, even from home right now. And at the same time, whatever time we do have in hand, when we are at home, when we do not have to perhaps physically go out for a work obligation, I'm also trying to utilize that and channelize that towards self-analysis. That unlocking of my own self, even during this lockdown. Uh, I recently delivered this session in all the way in Africa, this webinar for the people of Nigeria, Cameroon, Ghana, and various other regions over there in South Africa, which was all about managing your time effectively in this time, effectively in this uh, period of lockdown, and trying to unlock the best version of yourself when you have the time for it in hand, even though you know that this lockdown might be indefinitely long, but still. Whenever it ends, you need to come out of the lockdown as a better person, as a much better version of the person than who you were before this lockdown. So, yeah, definitely for me, this period of quarantine has been about working a lot, but at the same time, also introspecting about my own self a lot. Trying to look for my uh, latent capacities, trying to look for my... Uh, weaknesses which I was not able to perhaps even think about or tackle earlier, giving more time to my own self, making myself a better person, making myself better at what I do and at what I want to do in future. So yeah, this period of quarantine earlier when it was starting, a lot of people were anxious about it and even I was, but slowly and gradually we are trying to acclimatize with it and we are trying to make the best out of it. So, yes, there is always a positive side which we should look on. I, as a motivational speaker and as a youth mentor, I'm supposed to look on the positive side of the story and look on the optimistic side of whatever narrative we all are living in at whatever period of time. So, for sure, I am trying my level best to seek the optimism and seek the positive side of this quarantine as well, no matter how long it might extend to be in future also. 
So yes, we both met uh, around one year ago for the TEDx event which happened in my college and you were one of the speaker. So but I wanted to ask you this question again. So if we were meeting three years from today, what would have happened during that time for you to feel happy about your progress? So for me to be happy about the kind of person that I've become in three years from now on when we meet in a hypothetical scenario will require for me to become a much better version of my own self than I am right now. If I say that I am a good person, if I say that I am, let's say, a good public speaker, a good writer, a good orator, or good at various other things, and I am willing to be a great public speaker and a great writer and great at various other things, then for that, I need to get better at it. There is an order. First, you are good, then you are better, then you are best. So if I am striving towards the best, I need to be better at what I am doing. I need to get better at who I am right now. As a person, I need to improve myself. I need to enhance myself. I need to enhance the kind of personality, the kind of, uh, let's say, talent or the kind of capabilities I have right now. This is what will make me a better person in three years from now on. And this is what will make me happy about the kind of person I will become by the end of the three years from now on. So for sure, I, I hope that answers your question that I should be much better than who I am right now in order for me to be happy in three years from now on about the kind of person that I have become. Thank you so much, Yash, for answering all my questions and telling me about your journey, the problems that you faced. It was truly inspirational. And I hope that whoever listens to this episode will be more inspired, pumped up with energy and want to do something. And they'll definitely reach out to you. And I hope that you can achieve all your goals and aspiration. You're truly inspiring and empowering and very courageous human being. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity.